0: This is Joey Graham. welcome to the Axiom Podcast. Today, we are on episode three of our four-part series in building a great culture. And today, we want to talk about, I want to talk to you about why vision is so important to building a great culture. When we talk about vision, we're talking about what is the thing that we're all pursuing together? What's the destination that we're trying to get to? And I oftentimes use this analogy of taking a road trip. So if I say, hey, we're going to go on this road trip together. It's going to be awesome. We're going to experience things we've never seen before, and it's going to be fantastic. And I think that uh, you're going to get a lot out of this, and we're we're both going to enjoy it. It's going to take us a little while to get there, but it's going to be worth it. And you may have zero idea of where I'm going, but you might think, you might say, well, we've had these conversations. He's had these conversations about... Boston and the rich cultural heritage of Boston, and I think that was our last conversation, and he must be talking about Boston. If we're going to go on this road trip, we're going to Boston. And then I am i might be thinking about somewhere totally different, right? And so in my mind, I might be thinking, man, I, I love the music scene in Nashville. I love the culinary tradition in Nashville. I love the architecture and the, the old Southern um, antebellum uh feel in Nashville and i like the the um the art heritage that is in in Nashville not to mention the music right and so i'm like nashville's going to be great and in my mind i'm thinking we're going to nashville but in your mind you're thinking we're going to boston and sooner or later we hit up i75 and at one point we're going to need to go either west or east and at the point that i turn west you're going to be going uh what's going on? I thought we were going to boston. I'm like no no no, we're going to nashville. And that could present some problems, but that that is not near maybe i can get you on board with the idea of going to nashville instead of boston. But even worse than that would be a situation where I just said, hey, we're going on this road trip, and I didn't tell you at any point where we were going. We just were on this like, endless drive to nowhere, in your mind, to nowhere. Maybe I have a vague idea, but maybe that idea is changing, or maybe... Some days, just driving the car is too much, and you know, I, I can't be bothered to think about where we're ultimately going to wind up, because I'm more focused on the gas mileage, or the speed, or the blinking you know engine lights that are on the, on the dashboard. So my point is, and using that analogy, if you and I both know where the destination is if we know from the get-go we're going to Nashville it's gonna be awesome there are all these things waiting for us to experience when we get there and we both have signed up for the trip and eventually after leaving you know our our desk or leaving our origination point you know it's gonna it's gonna be we're gonna be tired of being in the car right we're gonna get hungry you're gonna have to go to the bathroom you're, you're gonna be Annoyed that it's taking so long, or the air conditioner is going to break along the way, or something's going. To, lots of things are going to happen along the way, but if you keep in mind that we're going to Nashville and it's going to be awesome, you will be able to put up with those seemingly minor inconveniences because you know that the ultimate destination is going to be worth it. You might even come to enjoy the journey, knowing. That every minute of every hour that we spend on this journey is getting us closer to the destination, and that's what you've signed up for. And that, in a nutshell, is kind of the role of vision in the day-to-day operation of a business. It makes a huge difference in the type of culture that you have. So vision is a kind of distinct thing. We think we're not going to get into how to set vision today, we're not going to get into why the vision should come from the owner. We may talk a little bit about that today. or not. You know, I would say the owner, the leader, the person who is there leading the charge day in, day out. We might talk a little bit about that, but today we really want to focus on the difference that it makes in the culture for a group that has a vision as opposed to a group that doesn't have a vision. And so when we talk about vision, one of the things that you'll hear me talk about quite a bit uh, is the, our ability at Axiom to steal liberally from some of the best thinkers that we run into, right? So, one of those is a guy named Will Mancini. Will Mancini has written a few books. The two uh, so far that I've read are called Church Unique, and oh, I can't remember the next one. That that's really, I'm gonna put it, I'll put it in the show notes. I'll figure it out. Uh, God dreams maybe. I think it's God Dreams. But anyway, those two books, Will Mancini, he's a guy, he's a consultant. He does kind of the same type of thing that Axiom does, but he does it for churches. And a good friend of mine, Steve McCoy, who's the pastor of 360 Church, uh, and Steve was in my C12 group, and Steve turned me on to Will Mancini. And I read his first book, Church Unique, And I was like, man, this guy is a fantastic consultant, right? So he's like, he's like me, but he's got a different audience. His 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 clients are churches, and I was reading his book and just kind of blown away by a lot of the tools that he uses and the the approach and the the framework that he uses to consult with churches. And when we read God, when I read God dreams. I was, again, taken aback by some of his tools. And one of the things that he talks about is the over-the-horizon vision. So all that fluff and man-crush talk about Will Mancini, like he's, my, he's one of my favorite consultants. It's all to get you to this idea of over-the-horizon vision. And I love that statement. And I, I'm stealing it from Will, and Will, I hope... Maybe you'll listen to this podcast one day, and you'll be flattered that I have stolen and co-opted your use of over the horizon vision. But over the horizon vision is this great concept because immediately in your mind's eye, you get this sense of what is it to have a vision that is over the horizon? I cannot see it, therefore, I, I can. Well, I cannot see it physically. I can see it in my mind's eye, but because I cannot see it physically. I cannot conceive of how I'm going to get to it yet. I may have some ideas, but I can't determine it just from the data that's available to me. And to me, that is a great illustration or analogy of what it looks like to have a vision for a company or for an organization. Is it over the horizon? That is a great litmus test for me because if I can see the path from here to there, Really, I'm just setting a goal, right? It's not really a vision; it's just a goal, and uh, the I can see the path from here to there because I know my individual capabilities, I know the capabilities of my team, I know I basically know all the knowns, and I can put those together in this strategic equation in my head and figure out how we are going to get from point A to point B. It's not over the horizon. It is in my crosshairs. I can see it coming. I can see what we have to do. We have to do A, B, and C to get there. And that is, that's kind of the world we play in when we set annual goals. Like we know what we have to do. Let's just do it. Let's just put our head down and do it. Maybe even two year or three year or four year goals. But to have an over-the-horizon vision means that at some point I'm going to lose sight of step one, step two, step three. And what happens when I lose sight of that? There are a few things that happen that we're going to get to later that have to do mostly around humility and mostly about relying on the people who are around us more than on our own individual effort. And as leaders... That is that is a challenge, but it's eventually it's a step that we have to walk through in order to get to growth on any sort of scale. Right, mm-hmm. so you'll hear me talk about over the horizon vision. Just know that that was completely stolen from Will Mancini. He's a fantastic author. I would encourage everybody to go read. He's got a third book out now that I've put on my reading list. The name escapes me, but um, Church Unique and God Dreams, both very good books. If you work with us, uh, you will kind of notice some of the tools that we use with you uh, have come from that direction. But when we talk about vision, one of the things that I really want to make make sure that I convey here is that sooner or later, people are going to want to stop practicing and actually play a game and keep score. So I ha- I'm going to give you a, a story here. So. Uh, My mom still gives me Christmas presents, and she's probably one of the few listeners of this podcast on a week-in, week-out basis. I love you, Mom. And this this past Christmas, she gave me a Christmas present, and and it was a check. And she said, spend it on anything you want to spend it on. But it has to be something that you would not spend it on if it were your money. Like This is kind of like the the classical definition of blow money. I just want you to take this money and spend it in a way you wouldn't normally spend it. And so I was like, okay. So I I kept this check kind of laying around on my desk, and I didn't do anything with it. And then a friend of mine, we were at a, is actually at a C12 meeting. You guys hear me talk a lot about C12. I was at a C12 meeting, and a friend of mine was talking about this uh, VR headset, this Oculus Quest 2 headset that he got. I don't know if he bought it around Christmas. We were meeting uh, first part of January, so it might have been around Christmas that he got this thing. And, and he was talking about it, and and I was like, I mean, he was telling these great stories about playing with his kids and how realistic it was and just new experience and stuff. And uh, and he goes, it's the best, you know, 300 bucks or whatever I ever spent, right? And so I was like, oh, well, okay. And in that moment, I was like, I know exactly what I'm going to spend that check on, right? So so I took my mom's check, I deposited it, and I went online, and I bought this Oculus Quest 2 headset. And... I start. You start downloading different games, right? So I download this this uh, ping pong game. It's, uh, I think it's called Eleven or whatever. And so it, it's it's amazing. Like you literally feel like the table is in front of you, and it's all in this headset. And it was so so crazy that I got to a break in the game, and I wanted to give my hands a rest. And so you're holding these two controllers. And I went to set one of the controllers down on the ping pong table, except the ping pong table doesn't exist in real life. So as soon as I let this thing go, it doesn't land on the ping pong table. It lands on the floor of my living room. And it's just unbelievable how realistic this is. But at some point, I'm, you're kind of in this role where you're practicing with the avatar on the other side of the table, right? And he's pretty good. Like, it takes a lot to get a shot by the the person that you're playing against, which is a computer. And he's basically there to return every shot that you hit so that you can get better. Like, that's kind of the role of practice. You want to practice with people who are a little bit better than you are, and so they've given you this computer that can essentially return everything that you hit at them. But occasionally you get one by, and that's rewarding. But at the same time, you know this is just practice, just practice, just practice, just practice, just practice. And you practice for like 15, 16, 17, 20, 25, 30 minutes. And eventually you're like, okay, like I'm kind of over this. I'm ready to play a real game against a real person with a real score. And I tell you that really long story, probably too long, to say that this is the, the position you put a lot of your employees in. If you're a business owner and you're listening to this, and you have not laid out a vision for your folks. You have doomed them to coming to work every single day and just playing against the computer. Just practicing. Just practice, 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 practice. And they might get better. They might actually get better. But sooner or later, they're going to say, like, when does the game start? Where's the score? Where's the opponent? Where's the, where's the finish line? Where's the destination? Where's Nashville for our, our group? What are we trying to accomplish here? and sooner or later they're going to want to have some kind of thing out there that they can play against or they can like move toward that they can travel toward that's going to give them some feedback like i am making progress we are doing and there's a whole other element to this we are doing this together that plays into vision we're going to get to that later in the podcast so i have two experiences in my uh, in my work life, one with a client, one before I started Axiom, that I think do a really good job of illustrating this. In both of those situations, the two companies that I was involved with, one as a controller CFO type, and the other they were a client of Axiom's, both of these companies were kind of on a path. The destination for them was to go public, right? And so they were trying to to achieve this very clear. Um, kind of, I mean, it was. You can't get more clear of like what we're trying to do is go public. So, in both of these situations, I got to witness a leadership team that was extraordinarily focused. There was never a doubt about what the work was leading toward. Like it wasn't like every day it was about the things that I do today are consequential in our in our um, progress toward going public. But there was an overall sense that we need to make progress this week, this month, this quarter toward this goal. Like, that's what we're about. And it was interesting to see how those teams attracted incredibly smart people. They attracted people who kind of brought their A game on a day-in, day-out basis. Not necessarily everybody, but the vast majority of the people who were on those teams, they were About going public. They knew what was in the crosshairs. They knew what the destination was. And it taught me a great lesson in that if you will, if you'll set up your, the game, the game, the the ultimate winnable game is having a vision. And if you will set that up so that people understand without equivocation, what the vision is, what the goal is, what the end game is you'll attract people who know what they're about you'll attract people who are more than capable of contributing to that otherwise they wouldn't sign up in the first place because nobody wants to sign up for a team that's going to a specific destination and they themselves are incapable of contributing to the effort nobody self selects for that right that is that's basically like tattoo the loser Uh, tattooed on my forehead, and watch me fail as we all try to pursue this, and you guys succeed, and I am unsuccessful. Nobody signs up for that. So the people who join you typically, by and large, are people who are capable of contributing toward the effort. They also tend to be pretty smart. Again, they know what they're about, and they make meaningful contributions and it raises the bar for everybody else around the table who know that they also need to bring meaningful contribution if they're going to feel like they're a considerable part of this team. So my question to you is do people show up every day in your business knowing what we're trying to accomplish? Or what's the alternative? Like what's what's the alternative if people don't know every day what they're showing up to try to accomplish? What's the alternative? If, they, if you're in that business where they don't know, you have zero idea, you have conveyed zero idea, you've communicated zero idea to the rest of your team, what you're trying to do, look around. What's the end result? You're going to have, I guarantee you're going to have some A players or you're going to have some outliers what, that I would call A players. And there are people who are like, yeah, uh, there's a place for me to develop my skills There's a place for me to advance my career. There's a place for me to meaningfully contribute. I enjoy the people I'm working around, but hear me when I say they're outliers. That is not the vast preponderance of your team. And I would suggest that even a mediocre team with a clear vision can outperform a great team of capable individuals because the mediocre team they have clarity about what needs to get done and they can't kid themselves about where they are right now so if you've laid out for your team a clear vision and they know exactly what they're about and they know exactly what needs to get done or, and i'm not saying i don't i don't mean to suggest that you just put a vision in place and it solves all your problems there's still going to be the daily fires that get They consume everybody's attention. There's still going to be the struggle to really focus on what's important. But at least when they close the door and when they say what's important, you've given them some criteria. You've given them a direction. You've given them a vision that says, these are the most important things, or this is the most important destination, and the things that I need to do have a clear path toward that. So... If you feel like, man, I don't have a ton of A players on my team. If you feel like, I wish I could attract people who would just take it to the next level, but you haven't given them a vision, you don't deserve those people yet. Those people are working for somebody else for a very good reason. If you can put a vision out there that is over the horizon, that describes where you want to get to, you'll be surprised when you start to communicate that, that you start to actually attract people who know what they're about, and they know that they can help you get to where you want to go, and they start contributing an extraordinary amount to your effort to get there. So I want to talk just a second about people who have visions, but if your vision describes where you are right now, you're just basically describing the status quo. So I'm a huge fan of quantitative visions, but I've come to understand over... Kind of just becoming more mature and, and running into more and more business owners that said, you know, I have a hard time breaking this down into a number. I have a hard time making this all about a revenue figure or a market share figure or a going public figure. Um, and I've, I've come to appreciate their point of view. But at the same time, it's really, really important that you have a vision that is somewhere where you are not now it's okay if it's a qualitative vision, and I, I talked about Will Mancini earlier, and in his book God Dreams, he describes these different types of vision templates that he uses with the different churches that he works with, and it it caused us at Axiom to generate. A set of six different templates for vision for for-profit businesses that we use with our business owners to help them establish vision, and one of those is a qualitative template that is about numbers. It's about achieving a revenue rank. It's about achieving an industry rank. It's about achieving, you know, something that you can boil down to a number: number of employees, number of locations, number of net income, number amount of sales, whatever it is. Right? You can establish visions around those kinds of numbers. But there are also qualitative visions. There are also uh, evangelistic visions. There are also advocacy visions. There's all these other types of visions that are not just about the numbers. They're about a, um, a less quantitative um, picture of the future that a business owner is trying to accomplish. But if that picture just describes where we are now, or or with a straight face you can say that is where we are now, regardless of you know, where everybody else thinks you are, all you've managed to do is justify the status quo. So, an over the horizon vision is incredibly important because it needs to communicate to people that where we are now is not where we want to be. Like, we need to be working our asses off to get out of the position we're in and to move closer to the vision that we've said that we want to achieve. And the, the second thing is that if there is no way to measure progress toward that vision, then it's really just a fairy tale wish and it doesn't have to be a, quali- a quantitative vision rather that has a certain revenue figure it can be a qualitative vision it can be an advocacy vision it can be evangelistic vision it can be any of those different you know six different vision types that we have identified as prevalent around for-profit businesses but if there's no way to measure progress toward that even if it means like standing back a year from now and saying hey we've been we this is a qualitative experience but we've been able to describe the experience in great detail and if we look at how we described our current experience a year ago versus how we would describe that now if we can't see that we have gotten closer or farther away from the vision then we've done nothing other than Express some kind of fairy tale wish of like, well, this is what we want to accomplish in the future. But if all we've if all we've done is describe this fairy tale, then it might be granted someday. But it doesn't feel like it's up to us. It Doesn't feel like we have any input that we have any influence on it. So an over horizon or over the horizon vision is at its essence this ultimate winnable game. That people want to play. Ultimately, you're going to decide you want to stop playing against the computer, and you want to be able to understand whether you're winning or losing the game. Am I making progress toward the vision, or I'm not? And the over the, a good over the horizon vision does that. It gives your team a winnable game that they can pursue. It also affects culture because without it, you're not going to attract those extraordinary individuals. And I want to to emphasize that no team is full of extraordinary people, but the entire team benefits from the presence of extraordinary people. There are going to be people in your organization who just clearly stand out, like they are head and shoulders above the rest. And hopefully, you can you can grow at a rate that provides enough opportunity for them to stick around. But occasionally, you know, they, they may move on. But right now, they're in our midst if you're lucky. And they've been attracted to you either either by serendipity, in which case they're few and far between, or by a vision that you've been able to articulate and put out there and communicate in ways that have let people know this is a place I can come and I can make a huge contribution. And if you've done that, your entire team is benefiting from these extraordinary individuals you think about the, the greats, you know, I probably use way too many, I probably, I definitely use way too many sporting analogies in the work that we do with clients. And when we talk about, uh, you know, greats, you think of like Michael Jordan and you think of, okay, well, so Michael Jordan had this great, I, I hesitate to call them supporting cast because it's almost demeaning, but he made Scottie Pippen a better basketball player. He he made the, the players around him. Tiger Woods made his caddy a better caddy. People who are extraordinary at what they do, they benefit the entire team. And if you have a vision that can attract those people, your entire team is going to benefit from their presence. So I want to talk to you a second about the role of humility in setting this over-the-horizon vision. You might say, that's great. I, I like the idea. But uh, man, like that means for me to to set a vision out there that I don't know whether we can achieve or not. Isn't that disingenuous? Don't I am I setting my people up for failure? And this comes out of a genuine concern that you have for the people that you've brought onto the team, and you don't want to fail them. You don't want to set out a false expectation or a false hope. And I'm not suggesting. That you put these wild ass crazy ideas out there that you have zero idea of whether they're even attainable or not. At some point, you gotta believe that you can accomplish your vision if even if you don't know how. And I don't want to make light of the fact that we have some people out there who are visionaries, and this comes very easily to them. And we have some people who are what we call pragmatists or realists or anti-visionaries. Like, I'm not a visionary, I'm the I'm the person who gets stuff done. And if that's you and you're the CEO, you're the leader, you're the, the executive director of the organization, and I say set an over-the-horizon vision, you're like, I'm just, I am super uncomfortable with that because I don't want to set up a false expectation. I don't want to lead people on. I get that. But at the same time, you have to recognize, in my mind, maybe my, you, can, you can disagree with me, but I want you to consider for a second whether or not your reluctance to set out a vision that you don't know how step one, step two, step three, step four, step five are going to line up, I want you to consider whether any part of that has to do with a, a pridefulness or an egoism on your point of making sure that you always have it all together, that you always have the answers, that nobody can question the path that you have set out. And maybe it's a desire... Uh, For security, maybe it is an insecurity and that you don't like to be wrong or you don't like to open yourself up to the possibility that somebody else in the room could know better than you how to get there. But I just want you to consider that if you're having a struggle in setting an over-the-horizon vision, what role does a lack of humility play in that inability to set that over-the-horizon vision? And I think there are a few like key things that can help us overcome this desire to control everything and this desire to always be right or to always have the answer. You have to ask yourself, do I have the resolve to pursue something that I'm, quite, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to attain it? So we're talking about a resolve that is different than the resolve it takes to pursue something that you're pretty sure that you can attain. This requires you to to reach deep and tap a level of persistence and and a level of resoluteness, a level of faith that you may have not been able to attain in the past. And it requires a little bit of humility as well. So... To what extent are you willing to pursue really, really difficult days when you don't know how you're going to get to point B? The other thing I would ask is, is it going to leverage the skills and the abilities that you don't have? Because here's the thing. Nobody on your team wants just a bit part. Well, I won't say that. There's some people on your team who are perfectly happy with a bit part. Right? But the best performers on your team, they don't want a bit part. They want a leading role. At least they want the leading role in a scene or two. Like they may not demand the leading role for the whole performance. They may not want the, all the responsibility that that, that that entails. But at some point, the folks who are bringing their best effort, like they want to know that their roles are consequential which means that they have to have skills and abilities that you don't have. They have to see, like, at some point in this trip from where we are now to Nashville, you're going to need somebody who can fix a flat tire, and you suck at it, and I'm great at it, and I'm going to be able to step in and accomplish that. Or you're going to need a great navigator, or you're going to need a great person to negotiate whatever it is, and I am that person. You're going to need a great tour guide when we get there. You're going to need somebody who understands the cultural nuance, who understands the language, who understands the the culinary, whatever it is, and I'm that person and, and I am relishing the opportunity to use my gifts and abilities, the same gifts and abilities that you don't have. So if, if you are having trouble establishing an over-the-horizon vision because you're being confined to the things that you're good at rather than looking to the areas we're going to have to recruit people who are good at things you have no idea how to do or, or that you're terrible at, then it could be that you're just not humble enough to take a back seat and let other people drive the bus when it's their turn. And finally, I'd say in this area of humility, what we're ultimately asking you to do as a leader is set an over-the-horizon vision that's going to stretch you into your true role of providing the resources for people of skills and ability greater than your own. There's coming a day in the greatest vision you can imagine for your organization – There is coming a day when virtually nothing of what gets done is within your sphere of capacity or or capability. It's all going to be dependent on the expertise and the abilities of the people that you have added to the team. And your job as the leader is simply to make sure that those people have everything that they need To do everything that they possibly can do, given the skills and abilities that they bring to the table that you don't have. That is like, that's the pinnacle of leadership, where you're not, nothing that happens on a day in, day out basis is because you can do it. It's all because you've empowered, enabled, and provided the resources for other people to do it. And that's scary for a lot of business owners who've come up through this kind of technical, Um, path of, you know, I was was a great field tech and then I decided to open my own place and I got a truck and then I got two trucks and I hired some people and then I hired a sales manager and then I hired a general manager and then I got out of the truck and I know everything that the guys in the truck are supposed to be able to do. But at some point, your over-the-horizon vision is going to have to get to the point where there are guys who know what to do in the truck that you have no idea of. They're guys who know what the, what trucks need to be in the field because the industry has moved on and they're laid out differently and they provide different goods and services and products and they charge differently and they manage things differently. And it's moved on. Your goal, your role, not goal, your role is to find the people who have the skills and abilities and give them the resources and the empowerment to go out and do the things that you personally cannot do. So I want to talk for a second about What happens to your key players without a vision? I mean, this is going to happen. This is happening to some of you already. You don't have a vision for the business. You've not laid out anything that's over the horizon. And for years, you've been watching key players, like your A players, your all-stars, whether they're in the field or in the office, the leadership team, or their interns. And you're watching them come in. And ultimately... Well, here's what happens in the short term. Let me back up. Not ultimately. In the short term, they pursue their own vision of what the future could look like. Because you haven't laid it out for them, they have decided or they they have kind of intuited, well, here's here's what I think could happen. Given the resources that I have at my disposal, given the time I have on my calendar, given the people I have in my department, here's what I think could happen. Given the way I could lay out my truck, given the way I could set up my schedule, given the way I could put together my contracts, here's what I think could happen. Here's the vision that I have. And they're going to take it and they're going to run with it. And they're pursuing their own vision because you've failed to fill one in. And it may mesh with yours. This may be working out great for you for a time. You might be going, man, I don't know what I'd do without these people. And you're missing the point that without... Your vision, you're ultimately abdicating responsibility or abdicating the future direction of the company to what they may think on kind of a microscopic level, given their sphere of influence and what they can accomplish. But eventually, their sphere of influence is going to grow to a point where you're not providing or you can't provide the resources that they need because you're not on board with where they're going, and they're going to leave. So your best people... Are going to be the ones who, for a time, pursue their own vision in the void created by your lack of vision. But eventually, you and we run into this all the time with business owners that we're starting to get involved with. And we talk to their A players, and there's often this disconnect, even some antipathy between the business owner and their brightest stars, because the brightest stars, like they've, they are, they're like, well, if eh, I know that what I want to happen. A month, a quarter, a year, two years, three years from now, I know I know that's not what's happening today. And I have a pretty clear sense of where I would like things to go, at least what I think we could achieve. And I'm not quite sure how we're gonna get there, but I'm gonna take this ball and run with it because nobody else has really articulated that. We talked to the business owner, like, man, this person's kind of like a a loose cannon and they, you know, it's like ready, fire, aim and Those are your A players. Those are the people who are pursuing a vision that they're having to concoct because you haven't. And they are more than willing to jump on board if you lay out a vision. That's the kind of organization they want to be a part of. There's a reason they haven't gone out and started their own company yet. Even though they have this desire to set a vision out there, they have a desire to pursue something that's beyond the status quo. That just means they're a top performer. It doesn't mean they're an entrepreneur. It doesn't mean they're ready to go out and start their own company. They're looking for a place that will lay out what is possible and what resources will you provide for me to accomplish it. And we may not know how we're going to get there, but I'm willing to put my heart and soul into it. And if you'll do that, they'll sign up and they'll be with you for a long time. When we talk about vision, really we're talking about a destination, but we're also talking about why is it important for you to get to Nashville? Why is it important for you to pursue this? Why is it important for you to become the top company in your industry or to become a $20 million business or to become the standard for quality in your particular industry? Why is that important for you? For most businesses, for pretty much every business owner that I've ever met that we've had the opportunity to do business with why we choose, why that person chooses to pursue a vision, when we say, like, why is this important? We'll spend a whole day with them trying to figure out what the vision should look like. We'll go through all the vision templates. We'll get to the end of the day, and they've kind of outlined, like, this, is, this, this would be fantastic. I have no idea how we're going to get there. It's definitely over the horizon, but this is where we want to go. And we say, why? Why, why? why is that important to you? And the answer is intensely personal it has to do with maybe their prior experience it has to do with a prior failure in their business or it has to do with the failure of a family of a, a father or mother's business it has to do with some deep soul wound that they're still carrying around but it is universal in that it is intensely personal and leaders who can be clear about their motivations for why they're pursuing a vision, open up to relationships defined by more than their work. Those those relationships they they start to be, begin to form the basis for a relationship that's more about shared meaning than shared work. And even if others don't resonate with your meaning, they'll respect you as a leader because you stand for something more than the people who don't stand for anything. So I would really encourage you. Why is it? Come up with your statement of purpose. Yes, your vision. I think I think it's easier to come up with the vision. Come up with the, what is the destination? Where do we want to get to? What are we trying to accomplish? Let your heart and, and soul bleed that out. Like this is, if, I, if nobody's going to laugh at me, I don't know how we're going to quite get there, but this is what's on my heart. This is where I want to take this company. This is where I want to take this organization. Put that down on paper and then stand back and go, why? Why do I want to pursue that? And if the answer that comes back is about you personally, it's about checking a box to validate you as an individual, or it's about achieving a certain amount of net worth for you as an individual, maybe even for your family. Or it's basically, if it's all about you, then rethink it. Rethink your vision because the only reason to have a vision is to be able to articulate to to communicate to other people something so big that's going to require more than you can personally contribute to get there like it's going to require you to enlist the efforts of other people and if that vision is not worthy if the purpose behind it is not worthy of another person's effort then they're not going to sign up for it. So it's really not going to accomplish the thing that it was set out to accomplish in the future. It may be a great personal motivator for you, but it's going to be entirely up to you to to do the things that are needed to be done to accomplish it. Nobody else is going to sign up on your behalf to help do that. Unless you just ridiculously extraordinarily overpay them and they'll join you for a little bit, but then they'll jet as soon as they have the financial resources they needed to get from you and you'll be back you know, basically be taking two steps forward, three steps back, in my opinion, toward that if you don't have a worthy purpose. But if you can be clear about your motivations and they are worthy of something bigger than you, then you open up this opportunity for others to have a relationship with you that's defined by the work that you do together. And it, and even in the case if they don't, you know, you're going to find that not everybody in your organization resonates with that Big purpose. I would say the senior people, the leaders, the people who are going to be vested with the most responsibility, they're the ones who are most likely to resonate with your purpose. But there are going to be some who don't have a lot of responsibility, and they're going to be like, eh, that's great, that's great," but I don't, I don't really see myself in that picture. Uh, I'm not. I don't believe. For me personally, there's ever gonna be enough opportunity responsibility. And by the way, this has nothing to do with the actual opportunity or responsibility that's available to them. It has to do with their perceived level of responsibility and opportunity. And if their perceived level of responsibility and opportunity is not that great, then they're they're gonna be like, yeah, oh, that's great they're still going to respect you more as somebody who stands on something than another business owner who hasn't articulated a vision or who has articulated a vision that is more about themselves or is clearly about themselves, even though it may not be articulated. So I would really encourage you to get honest with yourself about why why are you pursuing the things that you're pursuing? Why is your vision so important to you? Why is it important that the company achieve it? And then be able to share that with people. I think it's important to be able to write it down in a paragraph or two. It's not something as concise as a vision statement. It's not something as concise as a a mission statement. Your purpose statement is more of a conversation that you're willing to share with people. And if you will then it creates this basis for relationship. If you think about a lot of the things that we do historically to build team environments, like the stereotypical trust fall, right? We're going to go on this corporate retreat. We're going to scale this uh, this climbing wall. We're going to repel together. We're going to jump out of an airplane. We're going to do trust fall, whatever, right? It's all about building a sense of shared experience. But it's amazing to me that That shared experience, it's about getting to know each other, right? That's really what it's about. Can we get to know each other? Can we let our guard down a little bit? But all those situations, I'm not knocking them. I think they have their place. But why is it that in order to build relationship with one another, we have to leave work? We have to do anti-work. We have to go play to build relationship with one another. Why is that? Isn't it better to have team-building exercises every day that's part of our work together? Isn't it better that we get to know one another in a deeper way by talking about our motivations and why we're all pursuing the same thing together? Or why we think it's valid or why we think it's worthy of our best effort? I think that, I'm, again, I'm not knocking developing relationships with peers. I, I think that has tremendous value. I mean, our team loves... We had a corporate retreat in October and we took everybody away for two or three nights and we didn't there wasn't a word issued about work there was nothing on the agenda other than let's hang out together let's enjoy one another let's share a bunch of meals together let's sit on the beach and build sandcastles and fish and watch our kids you know surf the waves on boogie boards and just enjoy being with one another get to know one another i think all that stuff has its place but how much more powerful? If I've got a choice as a business owner that I can script, if, if I can you know put together and and set up the offsite for two or three nights and bring families together, or for fifty weeks a year, fifty-two weeks a year, five days a week, you know everybody takes vacations. So Don't want to make it sound like nobody gets a vacation an axiom. But day, my point is day in day out. We are coming together, and we're talking about why we are together in our work. Why are we pursuing the things that we pursue together? I think that has the capability to build a much greater culture. Team building is really about knowing one another. There's always going to be opportunities to know one another more, more fully. But if we aren't focused around why we show up to work every day, we're missing one of the biggest connection points available. So I would encourage you to go out, build an over-the-horizon vision, and, and really come to understand why personally it is that you as the leader are pursuing that vision, and then get really good about sharing both of those things, both the vision and the purpose behind it with everybody who's on your team. And I think you'll find that it is instrumental in building one of the most powerful cultures you've ever experienced either firsthand or second hand, and how much better if it's happening inside the company that you own. I look forward to talking with you next week about the last in this four-part series, which is execution. This is where we get to the heart of what does it mean to get the work done until then have a great week. We'll see you next time.